his heart for our lives. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And Lord, I really ask that you will continue to speak to us. And by your word, change us in Jesus' name. Amen. I really would encourage you to just listen to the podcast and study this for yourself about what is involved in being a man or a woman of destiny. So briefly, we said that destiny speaks of our destination. And in the heart and in the mind of God, every man, every woman has a destiny. They have in his economy a purpose for his life, for, for their life, I beg your pardon, and his life as well over there, um, helping me out. Thank you so much. <laughs> a man or a woman of destiny, we said, is focused on God's will for their life. And one of the key things that we have said is that when you are committed to God's will for your life, your individual choices will align with his word. You see, a man or a woman, a person of destiny, learning from the life of Joseph, is an individual whose life choices enables them to stay in line with God's purposes for their life. They make important decisions without violating the word of God or their conscience. And they allow their conscience to submit to the authority of the word of God. Let me just touch on this for a minute. There are many believers who will say something like this. I don't feel that what I'm doing is wrong. And they are sincere. They're not lying. I, my conscience allows me to do what I'm doing. But there are times when even though your conscience allows you to do something, the word of God is clearly saying something else. And that's why the scriptures teach us that our conscience needs to be, our, our minds needs to be continuously renewed by the word of God. Because, because as your mind is renewed by the word of God, your conscience is being changed to agree with the will of God. So, Joseph's destiny was to preserve his family by becoming a great leader in Egypt and a savior to the world. And when you trace the life of Joseph, or when you study his life, you discover that there were key moments where he could have violated his conscience or violated the word of God and advantaged himself in that season, but he never did it. And so by maintaining his integrity, when you look at his life, it looked like for a season it went from bad to worse, even though he was doing what was right. And the temptation of life, especially of any man or woman who has a great desire to do something wonderful for God, the temptation is to do things that God's word does not agree with. And you know what I've discovered that believers we do? We even will claim it is the will of God. You know, or we'll even say the Holy Spirit told me to do something that the word of God clearly does not agree with. All right, so a few things I want us to focus on today about how Joseph began to fulfill his destiny. So we learned that Joseph started out in his father's house. And from his father's house, he went into the pit. His brothers 
put him in a pit. From the pit, he became a slave in Potiphar's house. In Potiphar's house, he then was accused of being an attempted rapist and was put in prison. In prison, he does a good deed, helps somebody out, who then forgets about him for two years. And then God does something, speaks to the Pharaoh of Egypt. He has a dream. And uh, by virtue of the butler who was with Joseph in prison, knowing what Joseph was like, recommends Joseph to Pharaoh. Joseph comes before Pharaoh, interprets Pharaoh's dream, and gives Pharaoh a solution to the problem that was going to face Egypt. And then Pharaoh promotes Joseph to become prime minister, and all his officials agree. Now, at that point, you would be forgiven to believe that Joseph has arrived. He's now fulfilling his destiny. But that was not his destiny. His destiny was to preserve Israel, was to preserve his family, and to be a solution or a savior to his world. Beloved, there is a destiny on your life that goes beyond you. That has to do with you being a solution to a challenge that life affords to somebody else. Like Tara was just sharing right now. I have seen her journey to this point. And I can tell you that she is now beginning to enter a phase of her destiny. A phase of her destiny by responding to this. But if you knew her life, you may be forgiven in thinking that what God has used her to achieve up until this point is her destiny. And this is the mistake many people make. When their life begins to do well, when they begin to see things going well for them, they attribute that to their purpose in life. Beloved, your purpose in life is not to have a great house, great car, a lot of money, fame, and all of that. That's not your purpose. Your purpose is to be a solution for the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to be propagated in one form or another. You could say amen to that. That is our purpose. As believers, it is to make disciples in the given context God has called us to. That is our purpose. We are here on this earth in one way or another, in whatever world that God has called us to, to reveal Christ and point people to him. Whatever you are doing, if the end game does not reveal our Lord Jesus Christ and does not cause people to become disciples of Jesus, you have failed. Whatever it is. And so many believers are building sandcastles. You know a sandcastle? You know, you're at the seashore, you're building this sandcastle. I'm not a good architectural, I'm not a good artist. But anyway, you build this wonderful sandcastle. And then, guess what? The tide comes and washes it away. That's how many believers are living their life. Anything out of the purpose of God is a sandcastle. Remember, Romans 8. He says, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So when we talk about fulfilling your destiny or being a man or woman of destiny, you have to see it through the lens of being a disciple of our Lord Jesus. Amen. So let's look at Genesis 42. It's a bit of a read, but I hope you will not be bored. Genesis 42. 
All right, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll read verse 1 to 10, then we'll speak into it, and then I'll read on. Help me with the time, please, because I don't know how long I have. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. Yeah. Okay, Genesis 1. Genesis 42, verse 1. When Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt, Jacob said to his sons, why do you look at one another? And he said, indeed, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. In Egypt, go down to that place and buy for us there that we may live and not die. In fact, let me stop there. So the first thing I want you to notice, this is Joseph now beginning to fulfill his destiny. The first thing is that Jacob sends his sons, forget the apostrophe by the S there, to Egypt because he hears that there is grain there. You see, your destiny always begins with some form of crisis, some form of crisis. The emergence of crisis will result in your destiny, in you rather, moving towards your destiny. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 says, to everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. Every one of us, every one of us, there are times and seasons to our lives. There is a time that, that we were born, and there is a time we will die. We could talk for one hour on that alone. A time to be born and a time to die. Everyone. And there is a time to plant and a time to pluck up. There's a time to be happy and a time to be sad and so forth. And also, there is a time to prepare for something. And there is a time to execute what you've prepared when it comes to your destiny. So you see here that Jacob sends his sons to go to Egypt. And what's happening is, because of this crisis, his sons are now going to Egypt, which will cause Joseph to begin to fulfill his destiny. Second point, Joseph, as governor, was the one who sold the grain. So let's look at verse 6. Let's jump down to verse 6. It says, now Joseph was governor over the land, and it was he who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the earth. So I want you to look at some of these lessons you can learn from destiny about Joseph's life. The second point is this. Your destiny demands that you pay attention to that which you have been given, has been entrusted to you. Joseph was governor over all of Egypt. So you will think that as governor, he would have people in various locations that were selling the grain. But for some reason, he decided not to be lazy. I have discovered that there are many people under the guise of delegation who are actually quite lazy. You See, if you are going to fulfill your destiny, you have to have the mindset that says, I will focus on what has been entrusted to me and I will do it well. Proverbs 27, 23 says, Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks. Be diligent to know what has been entrusted to your care. Whatever it is. And attend to your heads. And it tells you why in the verses that follow. But we won't look at that. So you must learn to do both big picture things and also um, detailed issues when you have been entrusted with something if you want to fulfill God's purpose for your life. Third point is that Joseph recognized his brothers but acted as a stranger to them. This is in verse 7. It says, Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them but he acted as a stranger to them and spoke roughly to them. 
Then he said to them, where do you come from? And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. Third point I want you to notice about your destiny is this. Your destiny requires you to act wisely with those from your past. Anybody who God calls to do something has a history. And your past has an influence on your performance in the present. No matter how much you've been sanctified in the Holy Ghost, you have a past. And if you don't know how to deal with your past properly, it will affect your performance when it comes to your destiny. And one of the greatest things you need for the purposes of God over your life is wisdom. You know, at times, you have very anointed people who lack wisdom. We have seen it over the years. You can see, this person is anointed. This person has grace upon their life, but they lack wisdom. Proverbs 4, 7 says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. One day I'm going to teach a, maybe a 14-week a week series on wisdom. Because at times it surprises me how much people can just check out common sense. And use religiosity to explain stupid, to validate stupidity. Yeah, we have seen it over the years. Anyway, we will not go there because of time. Fourth point is that Joseph's brothers did not recognize in verse 8. It says, Joseph, so Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. Lesson from des about destiny. Those from your past will not recognize who you truly are when you begin to fulfill your destiny. They will relate to you as they knew you from your past. Maybe God has called you to do something. Maybe now you've entered a new phase of, of, your, of your life. And you're fulfilling your purpose. And they will remind you what you used to do. But you, you were a drug dealer. You used to sell drugs. You come talk to me for. And you have to understand that. How many of you were drug dealers before? Anyway, let's move on quickly. <laughs> Often those from your past may even misunderstand your actions and question your motives when you begin to fulfill your destiny. You know, our Lord experienced something similar to this. In, in Mark chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, it says, Then the multitude came together again, so that they could not so much as eat bread. Verse 21. But when his own, King James says, when his friends, when his own people heard about this, they went out to lay hold of him, for they said, he's out of his mind. Jesus is fulfilling his purpose. And when his friends heard about it, they can't even eat. They said, man, the guy's lost it. Can you imagine? The uncreated son of God is fulfilling his purpose and his friends says he's lost his mind. Fourth, fifth point in verse 9, the first part. It says, then Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed about them. Your destiny is the manifestation of the dreams God placed in your heart during your formative years. Every person after you get born again will have some kind of visitation of the Holy Spirit. You may not even be aware it's a visitation. You will experience something of God's dealings where maybe you may see people getting healed when you talk to them or pray for them. You may see your prayers being answered quickly. You may feel it easy to talk to people. 
you will experience something. And you may have desires in your heart that will explode inside of you. Because you're now saved, you now feel you want to do something. That is a seed that the Holy Spirit places in most believers. But the tragedy I have discovered is that most believers allow that thing to die. When Joseph was beginning to fulfill his destiny, he remembered his dreams. You see, you must be careful. You must be very careful how you handle your parents, natural and spiritual, because it affects how you fulfill your destiny. The dreams Joseph had, where did he have it? In his father's house. But because of how he handled himself, he was able to fulfill it. And this is why how you relate to your natural parents and how you relate to your spiritual parents, but especially, I dare say, your natural parents has a bearing. It really does. You've heard my testimony. When I was saved and I entered the ministry, my parents were not saved. They were not born again. I went to them, even though they were not born again, and asked them to bless me in what I was about to do. They didn't even understand what they were doing. So I guided them. I guided them. And they said all kinds of things to me. It's like, what are you doing? Why are you giving up your job? Are you, are you, are you going to be able to? I mean, why would you give up this job? You've got such a great job. Blah, blah, blah. No offense. They said it to me. My parents, I have to be careful. They said it to me. So I said, yeah, yeah, dad. But can you now bless me? Okay, okay. Dad, can you now bless me? They weren't even prayerful. So my dad, he just said something. He blessed the old God. And he prayed. And when he prayed, he prayed like someone filled with the Holy Ghost. Because the Spirit of God anointed him. I got my mom and my stepdad to do the same. They weren't even saved. And they used to insult me. But I didn't mind. Because I was accessing something. Yeah. You have to be very careful how you handle your parents. Just because they are not saved doesn't mean they are not your parents. Just because they haven't done well over your life doesn't mean they are not your parents. And be very careful how you judge parents who haven't done well. You are coming. Yeah. I tell you, when I look back, I realize, you know what? Mercy. Anyway, Proverbs 30 verse 17 says this. The eye that mocks his father and scorns obedience to his mother, the ravens of the valley will pluck it out and the young eagles will eat it. Simply put, anybody who dishonors his parents, his father or his mother, the vision that God has given to them will be taken from them and somebody else will be raised up to fulfill it. This is the interpretation of the metaphor here. Ephesians 6, 1 and 3 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. So our attitude to our parents is very, very important. Do not respond to your parents based on their performance. Respond to your parents based on the word of God. Can you say amen? Six point, Joseph's first test to his brothers. Verses 9 to 20. He accuses them of being spies. We don't have time to read through it. 
accused them of being spies. They said, we're not spies. He says, you are spies. You've come to uh, spy us out and to find us out and so forth. He says, no, we haven't done that. And then he says, okay. And then he puts them in prison for three days. And he says, okay, you know what? I fear God. This is what I'm going to do. Since you tell me you have a young brother, bring him. I'm going to let you go. Keep one of you. Bring him. And then I'll believe you. Now, why was Joseph doing this? Joseph's testing of his brothers was, first of all, to discover if they had changed from what he knew them to be. You see, he knew them to be dishonest people. Remember, as a 17-year-old, he used to report on them because they were always stealing and lying and cheating to their dad. He knew them to be dishonest. He knew them to be vindictive. I mean, if you read the, uh, what happened here in verse 21, you see the brother saying, you know, the lad was begging us, begging us, please, don't do this. Can you imagine? You come amongst your brothers that you think is safe, and then they are planning to kill you. It's a nightmare. Because no matter how bad they kind of cast him off, he never in his wildest nightmare thought that they could behave like that with him. And he, they stripped him. He was naked, standing in front of them, pleading for his life. And they said, now, nah, we're going to kill you. Because they were, they were envious, not jealous, envious of him. And then they put him in a pit, and then they sold him off. Sold off his own brother. Now, before you are so harsh to uh, Judah and Reuben and Cole, I want you to meditate on your own performance. Who have you sold? Who have you sold? I know I have sold the Lord in my actions. I know I have betrayed the Lord for less than some 20 silver pieces like these guys here. You can betray the Lord. You can sell the Lord for something as simple as a TV program if you're not careful. So don't be so sanctimonious when you see how bad these people were. But here's the de lesson from destiny. Your destiny demands that you learn from your past wounds before you trust those who once betrayed you. Just because you are forgiving people does not mean everything is okay. No. You, they have to earn your trust again. They have to earn your trust. We forgive everybody. But we must learn to recognize those who have truly repented and those who have not. As a pastor, one of my responsibilities is to make sure I help people know what God's word says. But I can never be the Holy Ghost. I can never be the Holy Spirit who governs your heart. Only God knows your heart. And so, you know who you are. And you know your pain. And when people come into your life who have once betrayed you, you cannot say just because you have forgiven them, you let them into your house. It's like, God forbid, a person who has um, experienced some kind of abuse, somebody who you trusted came to your house and abused a member of your family, and you forgave them. Does it mean you let them come back to your house? I'm asking a question. Now, some Christians, in the name of religion, will say it doesn't matter, let them come. That's why we need wisdom, because that's just foolishness. Seven point, verses 21 to 23, Joseph's brothers acknowledged their guilt and maltreatment of him in the presence of Joseph. What does this speak to us of concerning destiny? Your destiny has a way of exposing those who mistreated you in the past. At times, I am amazed at how God will allow me to see the intentions of people. 
Now, when we see it, we are gracious. We must be gracious. You must always forgive. You must always be gracious. But you need to be able to recognize who people are. Yeah. You must never take matters into your own hands when it comes to those who have abused you or those who have mistreated you. You forgive and you put in place things that ensure that they can't be a repetition, but you leave it to God. Romans 12, 19 to 21, beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink, for in so doing, you heap coals of fire on his head. Somebody said that, yeah, give him more food, give him more food. <laughs> Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Number eight, Joseph weeps in response to his brother's guilt. You see, verses 20, verse 24 brings this up. Your destiny requires you to confront the wounds of your past in order for you to be free from their effect. You have to be willing to weep and acknowledge the pain of the past. Even though some of us have had some very terrible things done by our parents, we have to be able to recognize, you know what, actually that was really bad, what dad did, what mom did. It was bad. What my brothers did was bad. Whilst I forgive them, I still hurt. Because that's how you become free. Forgiveness does not mean you ignore the pain. It is confronting it. It is facing it through the lens of the cross in order to be free. Number nine, Joseph gives command to fill his brother's sacks with grain. Verses 25 to 28. This speaks to us of this truth about destiny. It empowers you to act generously towards those who abused you. Number 10, Joseph's brothers report back to their father all that took place. Verses 29 to 38. Again, we don't have time. The lesson of destiny is this. Those linked to your destiny who have in the past abused you will have to face the consequence of what they did to you if they are going to benefit from your promotion. You see, when they went back, they now had to explain to their dad, actually, Joseph is alive. So he's going to say, ah, how is Joseph alive? Uh, <clears throat> you see, uh, Judah, Judah and, 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 and Simeon and those guys, not, not that Simeon, um, they said we should kill him. I, Reuben, the head, I said we shouldn't. They had to now explain everything. Can you imagine the shock of their father thinking, what on earth, what kind of boys have I raised up? But this is what destiny does. It will, when you, are, when you enter your destiny, eventually, God will vindicate you from the pains of your past. Now, I have given you further notes on the things that empower you to fulfill your destiny, but we don't have time. And I want you to study it. I am writing a booklet, uh, a manual, a study guide, sorry, on this thing. So when it's done, and, and the, the, we go into a lot more detail, I'll make it available to you so that you can be blessed. But in the meantime, I want to encourage you to do your own study. You see, you are a child of destiny. God's hand is upon your life. Let, don't let anybody tell you different. 
You've been called to be like your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You are on this earth because you are the solution to somebody's question. The solution to somebody's problem and the answer to somebody's question. And that is the solution through the gospel and how it has affected your life and transformed you and continues to transform you. And as you present the gospel of our Lord within the context you find yourself in, whether you are a, a teacher, a musician, whether you are a student, whether you are a pastor, whatever it is God has called you to, whatever it is you find yourself, never forget, you are still a child of destiny. And God has a purpose for your life. Amen. Let us pray. In this teaching, we focused a lot on the wounds of the past. And I want to really pray into this. So if anybody here wants prayer into this area, because of its influence on their destiny, why don't you stand where you are? And let's just pray quickly before we bring our service to a conclusion. And as you stand, I want you to raise your hands to the Lord. And just speak to him about the pain of the past. Just speak to him about the wound of the past. Please, just every head bowed, every eye closed. If you want to pray into this area concerning your life, just stand where you are. Whatever the wounds are, whatever the, the history is. Your heavenly father knows what you've gone through. It is not wrong to acknowledge pain. It is not wrong to acknowledge the wounds of the past. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be afraid. As you stand, I want you to tell the Lord in your own words what it is you're standing about. What it is you want healing from. Who it is you need to forgive. And then choose to forgive them. Heavenly Father, thank you for these precious ones that are standing right now. I ask, Father, that your Holy Spirit will continue to work in their hearts as only he can. Lord Holy Spirit, precious Holy Spirit, will you do what you only can do as we stand before you, as we present our hearts, our lives before you, Father God. Will you let your Holy Spirit work in our hearts I ask that the blood of our Lord Jesus will continue to be effective in our hearts at this time. Father, I rebuke every demonic assignment that will seek to infect the hearts of these ones. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to just pray over the rest of us. So if you want prayer into this area of destiny we've talked about, just want to seal it with prayer. Why don't you stand? Why don't you just stand? And as you stand, lift up your hands to the Lord and just thank Him for His Word. And just tell Him, Lord, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for speaking into my life. And I thank You for Your call and Your purpose over my life. Just tell Him right now as you stand. Thank You, Holy Father. Father, will You bless these ones that are standing? Will You honor them and their heart before You? 
Will you strengthen them in their resolve to follow you? In the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. The Lord bless you. you may take your seats. If the ushers could get the offering ready, we're going to take the offering. If you need an envelope, if you could just raise your hands.